Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Today we are in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Citizens of the Kingdom. We're talking about really Jesus giving us what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. This is really the Sermon on the Mount is based on this idea that if we regard Jesus as our king, this is how we would live. Now the Sermon on the Mount is a lofty ask. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you might realize, wow, I don't measure up. A part of the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount, including this particular section we're in, is a lot like the law, the Ten Commandments, and all the other commandments. You look at the law and you realize you don't measure up, and it drives us to Christ that we need a Savior, but then once we are saved by God's grace, we are followers of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount then directs us in Christ. This is how God would have us live. Now this section that we're in is really... uh, piggybacked on this, this, this statement that Jesus made, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And that was really this understanding that they had an external righteousness, that they did all the, what they thought they were doing, keeping the law. They didn't murder. They didn't commit adultery. When they got divorced, which was often, they did it according to the law. We talked about that last Sunday. Uh, and yet Jesus allows us to see the intent behind the law. And this morning we're looking at the intent of oaths and taking vows. And and really this idea that what you and I say as citizens of the kingdom has great importance because we belong to Jesus. The gospel, it ought to transform us and it will show up in our speech. And so Jesus shares with the the disciples and of course all those who are listening. He says in verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus essentially says, say what you mean and mean what you say. It's been said, oaths arise because men are so often liars. So are women. We live in a world where lying is really kind of normal, right? Some people are very hard to believe. And so they have to attach Words to their statements or claims or promises or vows that they're going to do for you or for their company or just whatever they make, you know, these statements, uh, very much like the Pharisees and scribes, that they would attach an oath to it. We'll get to that in a moment. But you might have friends or maybe you find yourself saying things like, no, 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 I swear. The reason why we would do that is because we're liars and we can't be trusted or we're flaky. Or people would say, oh, I swear on a stack of Bibles, bro. I'm telling you the truth. Do you cross your heart, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye? Do you remember that one? Did you ever say that? And someone said, oh, let's do this. You're like, do you, you know, cross your heart, hope to die? Or people say, well, can I be honest with you? Have you been lying to me this whole time? I I thought we were like having like open dialogue and like, listen, can I be frank? No, 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 just be yourself. Or when they say, believe me when I tell you, that's a, 
uh, a politician statement, right? So Jesus wants his followers to say what they mean. If you say yes, you mean yes. If you mean no, you mean no. And he wants us to mean what we say when we say yes, that we will follow through because we are people of our word. We are truthful. You know, the more words a person uses makes us more suspicious of them, right? Like, oh, this car is going to get you to here, and it's going to do this. And it's got all these things like going, okay, what's that smoke coming out of the engine? Oh, that's it's like special. <laughs> the issue is for them is that they would get out of oaths on a technicality. And so Jesus says, it has been said. Now he paraphrases several Old Testament passages that prohibited the failure to fulfill one's vows, promises. But the intent behind that, the intent behind God asking us to make or asking the Jews to make a vow or to make an oath was that he wanted to produce honest people among Israel who kept their word. And the reason why there was laws created to uh, make an oath that you were going to do something or keep your promise is that people were liars. We see that in advertising, don't we? There's always that fine print. There's stuff that makes claims that this product's going to do this for you. I'll never forget reading a, a muscle and fitness magazine when I was 12, 13, 14, and there was always this ad. It was this ad that if you take this combination of these nutrients— and supplements, you know, for like $35, which is a lot of money in 1980, no, in 2004 when I was 14. And uh, 1984, that was a lot of money, so I'd saved up my money and, and, uh, and, and you, know, I'd, you know, you had to tear it out and you had to fill out your information. You had to send your money or check or money order. And then you had to wait like about a month and a half. There was, those of you that can, like, my son just ordered something off of Amazon Prime, and it's like, as soon as you even search for it, there's an Amazon guy right outside. Do you want to buy it? Let me know, because I'll drop it off right now. Like, same day stuff. No, 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 I had to wait with my skinny little arms all that time for this product. I'll never forget my brother, who's a bodybuilder. I remember, I was like so excited. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be as big as you. As soon as I start taking these pills, and he looks at the ingredients, he's like, dude, this is trash. I was so crushed. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be 120 pound skinny guy the rest of my life if this doesn't work. People couldn't rely on each other. Just like we can't rely upon like ads like that. <clears throat> no one kept their word, so oaths were necessary. You have maybe the same experience. You call up a cable guy, hey, when you show up, we'll be there between 1 p.m. on Monday, 5 p.m. on Friday. That's your window. Do you want it or not? And you're just like, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> we need contracts today because people, they, they, they just can't say, yes, I will do this for you, or no, I won't do this for you. It's interesting that this comes after marriage. This comes after the, the, the deal about divorce and giving that person a certificate of divorce. And Jesus brings them back to the beginning saying that you made a covenant with the wife of your youth and the two shall become one. That's when he actually shares what his view and what the scriptures say, the intent behind taking oaths. The oaths, according to God's word, were reserved for like serious matters. But the scribes and Pharisees turned them into trivial matters or frivolous stuff. Uh, I'll come back and I'm going to buy this cow from you. You swear? Oh, I'll, I take an oath right now on my mother's grave. 
I will, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay my debt. I'm just going to go home and get my money. Then I'm going to come back and pay the debt. And they would make some oath, right? Or, uh, yes, I'm going to go and see grandma. This week, mom, I will see grandma. I promise you. And then they would make an oath on that. The problem is they always found, you know, do you remember as kids you would tell somebody something that was supposedly truthful, but if you crossed your fingers behind your back, it was like some magical wand that like got you out of that promise. You can go see grandma this week? Yeah, mom, take her flowers. Yes, I'm going to see her. Well, it was getting out of hand. They were making foolish claims and oaths that were binding. In fact, we read about it in Matthew's gospel. Their logic was all messed up as we read. And they found ways to get out of the, the oaths based on technicalities or words that they would use in the middle of their oath. They viewed oaths by the weight of what they swore on. And so Jesus really just wrecks their whole understanding in Matthew 23 when he says, You are blind guides. What sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold of the temple or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that you swear by the altar, to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gift on the altar, well, that's binding. How blind? For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you're swearing by it and everything on it. When you swear by the temple, you're swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you're swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. And so they would say things like, aha, I didn't swear by the gold in the temple. So I don't have to fulfill this vow. Again, these are all coming into play because men and women were liars. And they weren't keeping their word. We're going to see that Jesus means so much more. Do you guys remember uh, that line from Jerry Maguire? Not the uh, you had me at hello one. Anyone see Jerry Maguire? I might just, I just park this one and keep moving on. There was that, t- you know, his biggest guy, you know what I mean? He was the superstar, first round pick, you know, draft guy. And, and, and then he signed with that dirty rat Bob Sugar, you know what I mean? And there's Jerry Maguire on the phone. And he says, tell me you didn't sign a contract with Bob Sugar. He says, because I'm still, actually the words are, my word is stronger than oak thing. I'm still hanging on. Remember that? Like that's the world we live in. And Jesus says, guys, you guys are out of control, those scribes and Pharisees were. Unfortunately, the things that we did as kids, it trails into our adult life, doesn't it? See, the Pharisees' teachings was that there was distinctions. Some oaths were binding, some were not. If it was uh, uh, you swore by the gold in the temple, well, then that was binding. You're going to have to come through with that one. But if you just said the temple, and they didn't call you out on it and say, swear by the gold in the temple, and then I'll believe you. You see where this goes? It just gets us in a bad spot. Some have taken this to mean, by the way, that you can't take oaths at all. That's not what Jesus is saying. Going to court or getting married. God certainly declares oaths about himself. Paul did. Jesus did. So that's not the issue. The issue is just being honest. Think about the ways that we Christians might struggle in the same ways. If we say things like, no, 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 I swear something's not right with our word. Ask yourself this question this morning. Do people trust your word? When you say you're going to do something, do they actually believe it? Or do they say things like, oh, did she say she was going to do that? Well, don't hold your breath. Like that's a very bad statement to be attached to a follower of Jesus because Jesus is trying us to get us to a spot where we, where we say what we mean 
and we actually mean what we say, we're going to follow through with what we say. Forget about other people for a moment. I want you to just think about your family. I want you to think about your, your brothers and sisters, your mom, your dad, your children, your spouse for a moment. What do they think about your word? You say you're going to do something. You say yes to doing something. Do they actually believe it? Or are they going, you know what, I'm going to have to find another way because I don't believe that person. You guys remember that song, Cats in the Cradle? That's a terrible song, by the way, to listen to when your children are 18, 21, and 24. It's like, can I do Control-Alt-Delete, invest in Uber, and raise kids and be around a little bit more? You know, all those things that we go through as parents as our kids move on. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Think about that. Oh, I'm going to do this. We're going to go here, son, and we're going to do this. And then you never follow through. You tell your spouse, oh, I promise we're going to start dating more. We're going to, have, we're going to talk. We're going to have conversations. You and I are going to get deep into 2018. Second half of 2018 is what I meant, right? Because it's not binding because it's a big year. You see how we do? How about to other people at your job? When you say you're going to get something done on a particular day and time, do you actually get it done? By the way, this section has been horrible for me to prepare for uh, each and every week. Especially the first one. You've heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, who has anger without cause has murdered someone in their heart. It just began for me four weeks ago. And I just can't wait till we're done with this section. (laughs) Yes, I will get that to you. Yes, I will get you my slides on time. But I didn't swear by the gold on the altar, Jesse, or whoever it is I'm sending them to. Your church, your friends. We tell color-coded lies, right? We kind of have a similar thing. Well, I didn't swear by the gold on the altar. I, I, it was a, what, what color is it that's okay to say? White lie. It was just a little white lie. It was just a little, um, what do we say, Uh, A little stretching of the what? Listen, truth doesn't stretch. (laughs) It's not rubber. Or we exaggerate. And when someone hears something you say, and then their mind is going like, subtract about five or 10,000 off of that, right? You probably should like play it down because it's probably not the way it happened. Or we give people a false impression about ourselves because we want people to think well of us. So we fudge a little on a resume. And I was reading this week on monster.com, not because I want a different job, but just to see, do people lie? <laughs> and one applicant, this is awesome, she claimed 25 years of experience in this particular field. Here's the problem. She was 32 years old. Okay, that's great. Uh, another claimed to be the assistant to the prime minister of a foreign country. That's an That's an awesome hire, right? Here's the problem. It was a country that did not have a prime minister. And we just put things out there on our resumes. Like, oh, yeah, I wanted to go to USC, is what I find Prince says, but went to Fresno City. How about Match.com? Nobody lies on Match.com. Nobody lies there. For men, the two biggest lies, their job... What do you think the second one was? Their height. That's right. (laughs) For women, should we just move on? It's okay. 
You know what? I'm just going to move on. I'm let you ponder that this week. <laughs> you just think about that. What are they lying about on that site? How about when we don't follow through because we are overextended with commitments? So we have good intentions. Oh, I said yes to this because I wanted to help them out. And then we said yes to this person. And I said yes to my kids. And I said yes to my spouse. I said yes to my boss. I said yes to all these different people. And now I can't follow through because you don't have 48 hours in a one-day cycle of life. We overextend ourselves. Why do we do this? I think that people-pleaser virus might be in us all, and Jesus wants to set us free from that. We want everyone to like us. We don't want to let anybody down. So we say yes when we really mean no way. I can't do it. But you find yourself saying yes. Except when Vanessa asks you to serve in kids' ministry. Okay, you can even say no if it's appropriate then. But then Jesus says, but I say to you, See, he, being truthful with human beings is what Jesus is after. That's the reason for the Old Testament oaths, by the way. It wasn't so that they had a little, you know, uh, a way to get out of something. It was so that they would, they would commit themselves to something. They would commit to making something happen because they said yes. But for citizens of the kingdom, Jesus says, just speak the truth. Just speak the truth. In fact, if you're, if you're jotting some notes down this morning, this first section Jesus says, Here's what I say to you. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. If you're jotting notes down, jot this one down for that. Don't take an oath. Live a life of honesty where you never need to take an oath because you're just an honest person. Making an oath by heaven or his creation, they could argue, wasn't binding because it didn't involve God. Oh, I swear by heaven. Oh, I swear by the earth. Or I swear by the temple. But because they didn't evoke God himself, they were crossing their fingers, so to speak, and they could get out of it. And Jesus says, live a life of honesty. Your life should back up your words that you and I are faithful to do exactly what we said we will do. I love this quote I read this week about this. It says, we don't tell the truth because we have taken an oath. We tell the truth because we are truthful. That's what a follower of Christ is. Being truthful makes vows and oaths unnecessary. Paul says in Ephesians 4.25, stop telling lies. I love that. He was writing to a group of Christians, born-again, spirit-filled believers, and he told them to stop telling lies. In the same way, John tells a group of Christ followers, stop loving the world. There's something that you and I need to do to say, you know what? I need to stop speaking untruthful words. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. James piggybacks on what Jesus states here in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the book of James is really just a, 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 like a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount in a lot of ways. James says, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Do you find yourself having to add words to your promises? Practice living honestly, speaking the truth. Uh, try not to, well, to, don't exaggerate, right? Trying to impress people. 
Our words should never need an oath to back up our claim or promise. Work on that this week. If that's the case for your life, work on living a truthful life before your peers, before your household, before your friends, and it will revolutionize your life. You'll be living out what Jesus is asking citizens of the kingdom to do. Number two, Jesus says, let your yes be yes. We might call that follow through with your commitments. One way to ensure that you never need to add, no, no, really, is that you actually are a person who follows through. If you are a person that notoriously uh, is flaky, today, confess that is something that is not what God wants for your life. Figure out why you're flaking out. You're lazy. You, make, you overcommit yourself. You, you wanted to say no. We're going to get to that in a second. But from this day forward, say yes to things you can actually get done. Or just tell them no. That's Okay. Jesus gives us permission to say no, but follow through with what you actually said you would get done. That would change so much about our lives, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome if we went to work on a Monday and and in our staff meeting, uh, your boss or your your supervisor says, I need someone to get this done, and you raise your hand to get that done, and then they have a sigh of relief because they know that you will work hard to actually make that come to pass? Instead of at the end of the week having an excuse for, well, this is what happened. I, you know, I stubbed my toe and my, you know, whatever this happened and my team lost. And gee, Jordy Nelson went to the Raiders and that is obviously a devastating blow, which it was. Who wants our good guys from the Packers to go to the Raiders? Can I get an amen to anyone that loves God in this room? And by Monday, you're like, no, 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 I'll do it again. You know what happens? They bypass you. I say, you know what, I can't, I can't trust you. What's worse is that the people that we made vows to, our spouses, raising our children, that's when we get into trouble. That's when it actually creates a lot of headache and heartache for our own lives. You made a promise, so stick with your commitment. Keep your word and start that at home. Uh, psalm 15, David has this beautiful psalm about who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who's the person that's walking closely with God is essentially what David is making a case for in this beautiful psalm. And then he begins to talk about like decisions that that person, that man or woman are making that actually reflect integrity at that kind of core heart level. And one of the statements he says is in verse four, he says, who swear, who swears to their own hurt and does not change. What does that mean? It means that you make a promise, you make a vow, And even though it's going to cost you a lot of time, of mental energy, physical energy to follow through with what you said you would get done, you actually do it, even if it's going to cost you that much. You can read about Michael Jordan. By the way, LeBron James ain't no Michael Jordan. And now you guys are saying amen. Oh, now we have an amen church. That's hilarious. That is so funny. Shame on all of us. Oh my gosh, I just got my best amen without like a prompt for an amen because I said he's not a Michael Jordan. Oh, amen, brother. You spoke that truth. You preach it, right? You go on. You take all the time you want. His first, you know, he did have those Air Jordans coming in, that cash coming in for that, but he committed and stayed committed to his first contract. And someone said, why don't you like get out of your contract? He said, because I made a commitment to my contract, right? There's a guy from the Buffalo Bills, uh, Chris Spielman played in the 90s, early 2000s. He was a linebacker, and his wife contracted her first bout of breast cancer. 
And he actually decided that he was going to pull out a play in football for that year. And he made a promise to her, I'm going to stick by your side. I'm going to raise our kids. I'm going to be with you through every single moment during this time. When she lost her hair, he shaved his head, and he was there. Later on that year, a reporter asked him and said, hey, are you going to make it back at the end of the season? He says, man, I would do it in a heartbeat. But here's what, this is what he said. He said, but what kind of man would I be if I backed out on my word to her? I wouldn't be a man at all. Follow through. Follow through with what you and I say we're going to do. A good test of our credibility is what does our spouse, our children, our coworkers believe when we say, yes, I can do this or I will do this. You know, the great thing about grace is that, to, you know, the, his mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. When we wrestle with the Sermon on the Mount, you and I see how far we, how far we have fallen. We see the greatness of our sin. We also see the, the, the height of God's love and grace and mercy for us. And you know, the great thing is that Jesus is not looking for you and I to live perfect lives. It's impossible. But he's looking for you and I to say, God, I want you to work in this area of my heart. I want to become this kind of a man or woman that follows through. I want to be this kind of son or daughter, those of you young people here this morning. I want to be this kind of a student for my teacher or professor. I want to be this kind of an athlete for my coach or those, you know, who, who are helping me, you know, uh, get better at my craft. We're actually going to do what we say we're going to do. Here's the last one Jesus says, and let your no be no. I would add this, number three, is don't be a people pleaser. Let your no really be a no. This is so true with raising kids. Don't allow your no to be pecked to death into a maybe. Now, it's really easy for me to say when my 18-year-old is sitting down here. Because, <laughs> like, it's done. But I remember, my no would get pecked into a, fine, just do it, whatever. Leave your mom and I alone. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But you know what I mean? Like, don't say No. If we didn't like have a powwow and say, listen, if you say those magical words of death, you lost your Xbox. Let's think about that for a moment. Let's think about the repercussions of that. Because this Thursday night and this weekend is coming. And do you and I want to hear like, geez, there's nothing to do. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? I got you a sweet lawnmower. You could go right outside. As a, it has a motor. You pull that thing. You push that thing. Chops things up. A little edger, you could do that too. And when you get, if you're still bored, there's like weeds growing in the backyard, right? You know what I mean? Like have a powwow. Don't say no if you don't mean no. If you're not ready to like stand, like no, we got this. We are linked arm in arm. You guys will not dominate us. This is my no. It's okay though for you to have a, I need to process this. Because every single time, in fact, can I encourage you, say yes way more than you say no to your children. Because it goes by like that. But when you say no to your family, to your boss, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your church, you have to mean no. When you say it, mean it. Or don't say it at all. When you say yes, it should mean yes. But oftentimes, we're overloaded because we just don't know how to say no to people. We would call that being a people pleaser. We want everyone to like us, and I am right there in that camp. We don't want anyone to be disappointed with us. 
You, I read three signs that we struggle being a people pleaser. Is number one, we feel responsible for how people feel. It's okay to be empathetic, but you're not responsible for how a person feels if you say no. Like that's on them, right? Number two is this. You feel burdened by the things you have to do. If you're overwhelmed by the, and I don't mean like raising children and stuff, you're stuck, right? You're, that's, you're, that's your deal. <laughs> you signed up for that, that's your deal. The Holy Spirit will give you enough strength for your day, okay? But I mean the extra things that we say to our friends, to our coworkers, to just, we just fill our calendars up. And we're overwhelmed and we fall apart and we go, it's because you just don't know how to say no. You're so concerned about what people think about you. You have to manage their feelings. They're going to be just fine if you don't go hang out with them on a Friday night. They'll be fine because you need to recharge your batteries, work on your marriage, relax, whatever it is. You just have to do those things and say no sometimes. Here's another sign is you can't say no. Solomon says in Proverbs 29, he says, the fear of human opinion disables us. You find that happening in your own life? You're so afraid of what people think about you, you just say yes, 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 yes. And Jesus just gave you and I permission to let our no be a no. No. It's a very empowering word. No, I can't do that. No, I'm not able to get that done. We should say no we should also mean no. But instead of saying yes or no, we use a similar tactic that the scribes and Pharisees did, although we clothe it in different language. We say things like, well, you know, I'd be happy to, but I'm going to see if I can schedule all my teeth to get extracted. <laughs> no, I don't not, wouldn't be happy. Why would we say things like that? Oh, you know, we'd be happy to do that, but I need, just need to find something soon, really quick, Lord. Please give me something to say, oh, thank God, I've got to go to this, right? Just say no. Oh, I'd be happy to do this. By the way, if you buy a truck, that's on you. People are going to ask you to help them move. You bought a truck. <laughs> you know, one thing you could do is get that little cool little cover, you know what I mean? Like saves you on gas money, but it also everyone's looking at like, mm, that's going to be too hard to pull off. Let me find somebody else to have the open bed. But that's on you. You signed up for it. A lot of yeses when you bought that truck, just so you know. Or we say things like, oh, you know what, let me pray about that. That's our little way of like, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that you and I don't generally pray about things that people ask us. But can we get real in the church? How many times do we say, you know what, let me pray about that. And they were like, Siri, how long before I can actually call them back and say, I've prayed about it long enough and the answer is no. Right? She's like, uh, whatever you have your phone call you. I'm not going to tell you what my phone calls me. But uh, it's nothing bad, by the way. I dig myself in these holes on Sundays. I feel bad for having a one-service church. Second service in the fall is going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, own your own decisions. You're 47 years old. Say no. Right? Just say no. I don't need to pray about this. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't have time to do that. That is okay. People just, they can, they can handle that. They should be able to handle that. And if they can't handle that, get some new friends. Anything more, Jesus says, it's deceitful. It's a deceitful way to cover up the truth, so let your yes be yes. Here's a great philosophy for you and I to leave with this morning. I will not overcommit. I will learn to say no. I'm going to do a series one day called Margins. 
because you need enough margin in your life to serve Jesus, if you say, well, I can't serve at my church because I have too much going on, you ought to be serving with your time, talent, and treasures in the kingdom of God. You need enough margin in your life to have good fellowship, to be a part of a worshiping community, to spend time with Jesus in his word and in prayer, and to serve with your gifts and talents. When I say, say no, but you say yes to every other trip to the lake and all these other things, listen, you're missing out on what God wants to do for your life. So please don't misunderstand me when I say God is giving you permission to say no. You need to say yes to healthy things in your life. And probably no to some things that are actually just at the very least keeping you in a a, a state of not growing. But it is okay to have a philosophy. I'm going to say no to more things. Live a life that's honest. Follow through with your commitments and don't be a people pleaser. Say what you mean and mean what you say. You know, Jeremiah talked about our next steps in our next step card. And in fact, I'd love for you to pull this thing out with me this morning. Our team's going to come and lead us in a closing time of worship. You know, every week we'll try to challenge RVC to take a next step. For your next step, it might be that you are going to memorize James 5.12 to tuck God's word in your heart. And those moments that you feel like, oh, I need to find a way to cover up or to add to my yes or my no, you just realize that, man, anything more is of the evil one. James says, God's word says, let your yes be yes. Maybe that's your next step this week. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to memorize God's word. Maybe for you, your next step is going to be, this week I will learn to say no and not overcommit. I want to know that there's people who are actually going, yes, I want to put a stake in the ground on a Sunday morning and make some decisions about my life as I move forward Sunday afternoon through Saturday night. Maybe for that's for you. Or maybe you've joined us this morning and we talk about, you know, this, this idea of being honest and truthful. By the way, being honest and truthful does not save a person. We don't try to keep God's word, or keep God's law because it makes us saved. There are a lot of people that are honest and have a lot of integrity that are moving through life and headed towards a Christless eternity in hell. You say, wow, that's harsh. That's just the truth. Because we have all fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. When Jesus is saying to live an honest life, he's talking to people who are already saved. This isn't like do this and then you'll ensure that you're saved. Can I just encourage you? The only way that you can be a saved man or woman in this world is to have Jesus Christ as your savior, where you've committed your life to him, where you've actually realized that in your life that, that there is no amount of good that you could ever do that could ever cancel out your debt of sin that you owe to God. You see, that's why we look through the corridor of time to a bloody cross where a perfect man, Jesus, the Son of God, hung naked before this world. And as he absorbed the pain and suffering of the Roman soldiers, more than that was the pain and suffering inflicted by his Father, God the Father, as he absorbed all of the wrath of Almighty God for every sin that was ever committed in this world. And the way for you and I to have assurance that we are saved, that we belong to God, is not going to church. It's not even trying to memorize scripture. It's not even trying to be a better person because you can never do enough good to cancel out your, your, your sin. The way that you and I are saved is millions and millions of people over the years, and I would imagine dozens and dozens of people in this room, is that you come to that place in your life where you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, 
where you recognize that you've sinned before him, you recognize that he came willingly and died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins, and he offers eternal life and you have to receive it. There's a, a scripture where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens up, I will come in and eat with him or dine with him or her and day with me. And it was this incredible, beautiful picture of, of salvation. What happens is we have fellowship with God when we willingly open the door of our lives and allow him to come in and cleanse us of our sins, wash away our sins, give us new life. As Paul says, that, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Something happened on the cross. When Jesus died, he took all of our sin in exchange for all of his righteousness. And you and I become righteous by faith, by simply believing in him. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Can I encourage you this morning? Man, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, but you want to be saved, you want your sins forgiven, you want to begin a relationship with God today by faith, you want to have the hope of heaven one day when you pass from this life and you step into eternity, that you'll spend eternity with God in heaven, not because you were good, but because Jesus is good and died for your sins. If you're willing to do that this morning, right where you're sitting, you and I could tell God together what you want him to do in your life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. And Lord, thank you for giving us encouragement in your word that we see, God, here 2,000 years later, the very words, Jesus, that you uttered on that mountain, that, that side of a hill, to those disciples. God, it rings as much true today as it ever did. Lord, men and women are liars. And Lord, we are prone to join in on that. Lord, help us to live truthful lives. God, help our word to really count. Lord, help us to be men and women that follow through. And God, to, to be willing to say no, because really that's what we mean. Lord, to say what we mean and to mean what we say. And Father, this morning I am praying that you will bless each and every person. God, those who are struggling today with living that life of honesty, because they're just so afraid of what people will think of them. They're so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. Lord, empower us, Lord God, to be like you were, Jesus, because you said yes and you said no. Lord, would you help us to be men and women that live out citizens of the kingdom kind of living here in Fresno and Clovis. Lord, I also pray for those who are here. There might be one person this morning, Jesus, who needs you as their Savior. Lord, who hasn't committed their life to you. Lord, would you speak to their heart, God, now. Father, reveal your awesome love for them. And God, their absolute desperateness for you as Savior, that God, they would not leave this place and put this off. Lord, this is the moment. God, your word says today is a day of salvation. Father, let that be true for one or more here in this room today. You know, the head's bowed, nice closed. If you've joined us this morning and you want to say, hey, Gordon, today I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus. I want to ask him to my heart, to my life. If that's you, right where you're sitting, I want you to just lift your hand up high enough so I can see it, and I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. God bless you. And he loves you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else you want to join with this one who wants to commit their life to the Lord? If that's you, you lift your hand up as well. Let me pray for you. Anybody else in this room this morning, you want to commit your life to Jesus? You want your sins forgiven? You want to begin a relationship with him today by faith? It begins with you taking a step towards him. If that's you, you lift your hand up as well. Let me pray for you. 
Anybody else in this moment? You're ready to commit your life to him. Listen, for, for that one that wants to invite Jesus, or maybe there's others this morning, and you didn't raise your hand, but today you want to commit your life to him. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. You pray something like this in your heart. You mean it. And you ask Jesus to come in to be your Savior and your Lord and to cleanse you of your sin. Pray it with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and today I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Today I trust in you and I follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life from this day forward and help me to do your will, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your offer of eternal life. For it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, God bless you. He loves you so much. What an awesome day, right, for someone to yield their heart to the Lord. You know, we've been doing something the last couple of Sundays, you know, as we close out our time of worship. Uh, we've been having extended times of prayer for people. So during our song, you know, if you've got some things going on in your life this week, maybe you've got something coming up this week, a job interview or something happened in your family that you just want someone to agree with you in prayer for. I've got some of my friends that are going to be on the sides of the room. Uh, that's during our time of worship. But we're also uh, dismissing our time in here with just that reverent attitude of continued worship. And so if you want to stick around, maybe you can't get out of the row or whatever, they're going to be sticking around uh, uh, moments after our service to, re to be able to receive you and pray for you and love on you. So let's all stand. Let's close out our time of worship. God bless you guys.